Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? Oh my goodness. After um, going through this for a few years with you, Courtney, I don't know if it's new. I might, like if we compare episodes month to month, I'm wondering if they sound similar as far as what's going on, to be honest. But that is the life of an educator. It's slightly cylindrical and we live it in warp speed for nine months. And then um, we have this time off and these beautiful breaks. And so um, right now, as I'm reflecting on what is going on, I'm loving looking out the window and seeing the beautifulness of Colorado and seeing the changing colors. It truly feels like fall. We've kind of had this long lasting summer. It's been warm and normally we've had a snow or two by now. And so I'm not trying to jinx us, but, um, really? you know, it, it could happen any day. It can happen no matter what. No, but just... We're not getting any snow this winter because <laughs> I bought a snowblower the first time in nine years. So oh my goodness. No snow for us. So you saved us all from a harsh winter. Thank you. Like we no longer, my grandfather used to say something about like how bushy the squirrel's tail is, it's like how bad the winter is going to be. Now we just know Courtney buys a snowblower and we're good, but um, it feels the crispness is coming in the air and it just feels like the actual turning of the season as opposed to just being in school season, which we sometimes call fall. So I am just enjoying that and um, enjoying the like growth time with my educators. It's like go time. Like we now have, we're in the meat of the matter. We're like doing big things and being able to work around huge ideas and huge initiatives. And that's just like a great place to be with. Um, and on a personal note, it's, you know, we're past parent teacher conferences and I will take a mom brag moment since y'all have listened to my children's stories for five years that I have like two super readers and we worked really uh -huh. hard at that and unlocking reading for one was easier than the other. But the fact that, you know, they get good reviews and, you know, just from the other side of education, being the parent and walking out and feeling like good after speaking to the educators is just something to remind ourselves as coaches and teachers and admin that like, that's what it's all about is that community, that network and that growth and being able to share that and celebrate that. And so um, for me, I guess, going into this season of education, if you will, um, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful place to be of both externally in the outdoor world and also just within the family world and the day-to-day -day workings of putting in that energy of math homework every night or, or reading that extra book to try to get where you're going. And so I just want to remind educators of, you know, all those tiny little nuances that they put in every single day take us so far. And it's just, it's fun to celebrate my teachers, um, my student, my kids' teachers and my own educators and my own administrators and celebrate all the things that they're doing. Because even though we're only roughly a third of the way there, if you will, like so much has already happened and that's amazing. So for me, like that's where I'm at and that energy is mode of like, let's trudge forward into the next big thing. Totally. Like, where are you feeling? Like, what are you doing in this moment? What's, what's resonating with you, Courtney? Well, November is always fun because we kind of hit our stride. Um, I feel like everyone's got their legs underneath them, but I also want to be mindful of people taking time as we head into mid-year data cycles and things to celebrate and take the moment to think about how far your students have come, how far you've come as an educator, how far as an administrator, your school culture has shifted. 
and take those moments because it's so easy around the holidays to get swept from Thanksgiving to Hanukkah to Christmas. There's so much wonderful things going on, but how do we take time and kind of bask in the celebrations um, that we have in education? Absolutely. It's so powerful. I um, even had a conversation with an educator recently and they came to the aha of, hey, I'm going to have a to-do list that's just my celebrations so that like when I'm feeling a little dogged down by all the other things over here that I got to get done, like even if it is in a Google Keep or whether it's on a piece of paper or sticky notes, just like having a celebration list running as opposed to just a the next thing I got to get to list, which how powerful is that? It's awesome. That's what I tell. I gave love giving people homework is write down one good thing that happened today because there's a good thing every single day, no matter how downtrodden you feel. Um, there's always something good that's happening, especially in your classroom when you get to work with all those students. A hundred percent. And what a beautiful reminder you are of that. Today, we have Gretchen Bridgers joining us. Gretchen is a national board certified elementary school teacher from Charlotte, North Carolina. In 2006, Gretchen received her bachelor's degree at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. In 2010, she received her master's degree in curriculum and supervision from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Gretchen taught second, third, and fifth grade before transitioning into the role of new teacher development coach for the New Teacher Project. During this time, she also published her first book for new teachers called Elementary EDUC 101, What They Didn't Teach You in College to Help Prepare Future Teachers for the Realities of Life in the Classroom. For more than a decade, Gretchen has passionately mentored and coached educators, led professional development experiences for building staff, and presented at district and national conferences as the owner of Always a Lesson. Her impact continues to amplify serving educators worldwide through her blog, Empowering Educators podcast, classroom resources, professional development courses, and personalized coaching opportunities. She has since co-authored a book with over a dozen other elite educators called Teachers Who Know What to Do, Experts in Education to share proven strategies that transform classrooms and leaders around the world, as well as written her third book, Always a Lesson, Teacher Essentials for Classroom and Career Success. And that comes out spring of 2024. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson. Welcome, Gretchen. Gretchen, we are so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. This is actually, for our listeners to know, something that's been in the making for quite a while. We've been trying to get Gretchen and the t- timeline didn't always work out. So we are excited to have her here today to share her expertise. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. I love talking shop and building a PLN. So I'm just really excited to chat with you guys today. Well, we are stoked to have you as part of a PLN and be able to expand on our experiences already. And we're just going to start with the basics. Can you tell us what strategies or methodologies you have found most effective in building those strong super collaborative relationships with teachers and also being mindful of helping them embrace coaching as a tool for professional development. Oh, goodness. This is a good one because I thought I knew going into coaching what I had to do. I mean, I learned all the things. And so much comes from just being an actual coach and figuring out your teachers and your school under that specific leadership with your style. I mean, there's so many factors. So even though I might share something, it doesn't mean it's always going to work in your situation. You have to be willing to go with your gut to assess the environment. But I would say 
Time and consistency are essential. So no matter what your strategies are going to be, you need to give them time to see if they work and you need to be consistent in actually doing them. And so one thing I like to do when we're getting to know people as human to humans, because that was a mistake I made when I first started coaching. I just jumped in like, let's go. And they're like, who are you and what are we doing? And this is awkward relationship because we hadn't, you know, connected. So get that human to human connection first. And then when I I think maybe you're four, I said, what do you want to do this year? And they looked at me like, I get a say, you're not going to tell me what I have to do. And the principal's not going to tell me this is your goal. I'm like, well, yes, we have to do those things, but wouldn't it be fun to also do whatever it is you dreamed of doing? Like what cool thing do you want to see or what risks do you want to take? And then when I know that information, I can help connect it to the things we have to do, make sure it's aligned and help you build it in because that's the motivation that they're going to have to keep going. When the goal is not their own because the school state district says you got to work on this thing, they're not motivated to do it. But when it's something they want to do, now all of a sudden they're showing up and they're like, can we have a coaching session? Or um, what do you think about this idea? And it's so collaborative and exciting. And so I would also say, hey, what is your experience with coaching so far? Because I might be the first coach or the fifth coach or the only female or the only mom you've ever worked with or whatever. And so knowing what they've had shows me some obstacles. It's like, ooh, you've had some negative experiences or wow, you've had some great ones. Let's see why those worked and how we can replicate that. So that really helps me get to know where their mindset is before we even get started. And then as the year goes on, I just do a check-in. Like, are you liking this thing between us? You know, like, do you want to keep going? Do you want things to change? And I think they're just so, so shocked that I'm asking for their perspective. They feel like coaching's done to them. They're told what to do. And now I've asked them their goals and I've asked them if you like working with me and I've asked you how we can partner together. And they're just like, this is amazing. And I'm like, yes, this is how it goes. It's yin and yang. And I need you as much as you need me. And it only works when we're both all in. So I think that's my strategy and my methodology. Yeah. Coaching is really that partnership and the shared ownership and putting the teacher in that driver's seat. And it's beautiful how you're talking about the nuance of each educator and just really like trying to attune to that and be able to flex in order to meet their needs. Yeah. Lots of nuances there. And and you don't learn that until you're in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then even then it takes some refinement, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're if you go into coaching thinking, I know it all, or I can just repeat what I've done you're just not going to have success. You have to go in saying, I've got these bag of tricks. I may use them. I may not. And let's just see what works. And I'm going to learn new things too. And that's what makes you great when you're flexible and you're willing to be a learner. Definitely. What are some aspects of an effective coaching conversation you can share with our coaches? And what nuances do you utilize to enhance the conversation or drive that conversation even deeper? Well, I was overwhelmed with coaching debriefs. I felt I had so much to say in such little bit amount of time and we would get on tangents or I would say, how are you doing? And that turned into 30 minutes. <laughs> and so I had to really force myself to timestamp my agenda, use a timer and then be open and honest with them. Like, I'm not trying to be rude and cut you off, but I have to keep us focused on this one thing. So if you feel me pushing you along, it's just to ensure I protect your time, you protect my time and, and then I can go support as many people as possible. 
And it wasn't until I worked for the new teacher project for many years, and we only work with new teachers in my same district. And so they would come in and watch us do these. So not only do I already feel bad about doing these, but now they're watching like the Mr. Debrief himself would watch. And I was like, and I left there and he said, that was just textbook. And I thought, like looking around, like, who's he talking about? And it's because I had been so focused and I had been working and I had been diligent and I had let the people know that I was working on it. So together, it was like this goal. And the the person I was coaching at the time gave me a high five. She's like, you worked on your goal and you got better. So now they're celebrating my growth, which was really fun. So what I learned from that was you've got to stay really laser focused. Like, what is the point of this conversation? What do we want to lead it to? Because if you don't know, then you're going down all the rabbit holes. So know what you're trying to accomplish. Stay focused. If you have an agenda, try and keep it consistent. That lets them feel comfortable. Every time we get together, we kind of go through these stages. I understand the protocol or whatever you want to call it. I always connect it to the rubric. So I'll say this specific portion of your lesson was a level three. So if you want to push to accomplished or proficient, whatever your rubric looks like, this is what would have to have happened in this exact moment. We need to pull more students. We um, need different data points or you need to work the room and not always work in this section or you need to have higher order questions or whatever specifically I could say. This is where it could have happened. And then they're like, oh, I see in this moment how I could have pushed myself. And then we spend time practicing whatever that thing is I honed in on. And then when we plan next time, it's that same thing. So everything is so streamlined, so aligned. And that's why a laser focus was really essential. Combine that with the time management piece. And I would say the pre-observation, you can be a little bit more flexible. You're brainstorming. They, The teacher has a lot more ownership in that. But when it's your post-op and you're in there trying to get through it and explain, this is what I'm noticing. This is the artifacts. Here's where we want to go. What do you think this looks like next time? Okay, let's roll this out. It really requires their reflection and some tweaking, and it has to be a little bit more efficient use of time. And so if you're feeling like it's really daunting, don't stress out about, I have to get through this whole agenda. Let's just do name the thing that you noticed and name one thing they can do to improve it. And let's start there. And then we can add on other pieces like the practice or some reflective questions or whatever you want to kind of design your protocol to be. But really the important piece is let's reflect on what happened and let's make changes for the future. I love how you go back to them celebrating your learning and you're celebrating their learning. <laughs> and I think you move almost as fast as I do. So I appreciate you, Gretchen, in this moment because very few guests can speak as fast as I can. So thank you for that, number one. I'm sorry. I'll slow down. <laughs> no, you're wonderful. I, I absolutely appreciate it. It's something I always have to work on, but I appreciate that you also are showing them your vulnerability and how you're learning and trying to adapt your coaching to be more successful for them. And sometimes just owning it at the beginning of, hey, I got a timestamp at this point and this point, this is where we need to be able to shift our conversation to the next step we're trying to get to. Yeah. Sometimes that can be very powerful to have that protocol and procedure. And the, as you said, they understand the regularity and the pattern of what you're bringing to them each time. Yeah. Transparency. And like, we're in this together. We're both learners. Like I'm doing my best. You're doing your best. And that gets them on board. They're like, you're imperfect. Cool. Me too. Like, <laughs> let's do this. A hundred percent. I think we say almost every month, but Brene Brown, like clear as kind, like yes, let's tell them what's going on. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure everybody's on the same page. And as we delve a little deeper, can you give us a little bit of a glimpse into your concept of the four ways to grow instructional capacity and like share that with our listeners a little more? 
I'm so glad you asked. So I never really realized what was happening on my journey. Obviously, you look back and you see how things connect and why things happen. Maybe why I didn't get a certain job, why I had to teach a certain grade level. And I realized so much about instruction. What was making certain people effective? Why other people were getting caught up? And it has a lot to do with these four aspects of instruction. But more importantly, the missing key piece is the order matters. And so many times when we're working with teachers, we're just picking areas that we think are going to be helpful or that they're suggesting they want to work on or the principles like school-wide, where behavior management is the only thing we're focusing on. And it's like, well... There's actually layers to this and not everyone's going to be at the same place. And we differentiate for kids and we're going to do that for adults because it's not that people don't have a certain skill set unless you're like brand new. It's usually some have holes and we call it Swiss cheese. And it's like you got to go back and fill in some of the holes so you can be really exceptional. And when I start rolling out these four in the exact sequence, people will say, mm, not me. I'm a veteran. Like I've, I learned those things in college. I'm like, I know. But do you do them consistently at a high level? And it's like that's where the problem happens. And so I don't call it lesson planning. I call it lesson design because just like you put on a play and people are entering stage right and stage left and you have all these directions, that's what's going through a teacher's brain when they're delivering a lesson. And if you're only plugging and playing the template of a lesson plan, you're not designing the learning experience, which is from start to finish. How are we transitioning? What are the routes? What's the time? Who's paired with who? What are the questions I'm going to ask? What's the small group materials that I need? It is so much logistics and details. And I'm not saying you have to write a lot of this down, especially if you're a veteran and a lot of things can be reused, but we're not spending time thinking through our lesson. We're like, did I write this down? Did I send it to admin on time? And we're so focused on the piece of paper that I walk in a room and I'm like, you've not thought this through. Like this has taken 20 minutes when it could have taken five. Or this is not a strong pairing. We actually need to have these people. And it's like, well, I just, they were next to each other. So I put them, to, and I'm like, I get it. But like, we have to be super thoughtful on every little thing we're doing. And the more we do it, the more a habit it becomes. And you're not using a lot of brain power to make it happen. In the beginning, I mean, remember a student teaching, like I have to write a lesson plan. You had like weeks to do it. And it was like nine pages. And it's like, it's going to feel like that in the beginning because you're forcing your Self to be super detailed. And some of us just aren't built that way, but it ends up trickling into other areas. So level two then, and I imagine it being bricks on bricks. So the foundation is that design. The next layer is classroom management. I'm not into the behavior management of you have to sit a certain way or, or what have you. And if that's what your school does, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to tell you to tweak it. But we can't control people, and that's very controlling to me. And it's all focused on compliance. And we're trying to help somebody learn. And if they learn standing and it's not distracting other people, then it is what it is. But what I'm going to say is the systems and procedures you have in place prevent some of these issues from happening. And so in this space, this second brick, we want to make sure we're thinking through 
all the activities we have, all the interactions students are going to have with the content, with each other, and with me so that it runs smoothly. So that in the moment, the teacher's only having to be present and watch the execution of the lesson. They're not reacting and having to deal with different issues. And then when they're ready, because they've thoroughly planned and they have a lot of prevention in place with their systems, now we move on to student engagement. And when you move beyond what it looks like to just participate, and I go through this in my my next book that's coming out, what is participation and what is actual engagement, then you see learning start to happen. And you're like, whoa, I thought I had an engaged class. No, I had a compliant class that answered some questions. And then the data comes and we're not so great. But this class right here, this level of engagement, I'm stepping back. And the next one is ownership because you see how they lead to each other. It's like if you don't have the basics right, when you're trying to do all this fun new engagement stuff, it doesn't work. And when you're trying to give them ownership and autonomy, they're not ready for it because you haven't set the stage. And so what I ended up doing is taking my journey in education and thinking about what is the most essential sequence, which I just shared with you. And I then shared every secret that I've learned about those four areas. And whether you're a new teacher and you're learning it the first time, great, you're ahead of all of us because you can just learn it in the right way. But those of us who are veterans have to be honest with ourselves. Like, where are we really? Some of us are, we think we're on ownership, but we're way back at classroom management or something. And again, it's Swiss cheese. It's not like you have to learn it and you don't know what you're doing, but there's a piece there. The consistency and the level to which you do things matters. And each class you get is going to shift. So some years, and I say this in the book, I didn't get to student ownership until May. Like, how embarrassing is that? Someone who has been a leader in the school and it's taking me this long to get to this area. I should be there immediately. But the class I was dealing with really struggled with some of the earlier issues. And it forced me to stay in lesson design for forever until I could figure out what worked for them. Then we moved to the classroom management piece, got things ironed out, and then I was ready. And so we have to be open and honest with where am I right now with this class at this specific school? Where are the holes in these areas and what can I do to finish it? And so those who are coaches can utilize these ideas in this book, one, to do a book study, but also to say, where are you finding yourself? Let's do a self-reflection. And what do you think is the next step? And I have areas in the book that say, like, start here. So if you're brand new, start here. Or you're ready to master it, meaning like, let's step it up a notch. Like, let's see what this is really about. Then go to that area. And so there's something for everyone in there, as long as you're honest with yourself about where you're performing. And so I think this has been a game changer with how I coach, because now I can immediately see what area you're in, and they catapult so much faster because they fix some little thing over here and boom, they go like three more levels up. And they're like, I can't believe it. I haven't had so much success. And I'm like, yeah, there were some holes in that foundation and we had to work it out. And when I share the sequence, they're like, that makes total sense. Why didn't no one tell us? I was like, no one told me. I had to figure this out. So now I'm sharing it with everyone in hopes that it can help teachers feel success faster, which we know only impacts students in the classroom. It's like having the cheat codes to the video game. Yes. Um, it helps you level up, but it doesn't mean you don't know how to play the game on your own. It just kind of helps progress you much quicker. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, I don't know if people realize how many decisions teachers make a day. I think it's more than a neurosurgeon makes. 
during a surgery because the surgery is often the same. I've seen that online. You get that decision fatigue and just trying to figure out where do we go? What is the best course of action from here? And so being able to have that reflective partner is so powerful. And I think what I learned, especially when it comes to finally being live in front of kids and executing is a lot of teachers are still up here. And they're like, where's this book? Okay, hold on. Where's my copies? All right. Who's partnering with who? It's like, "Mm -mm. we're going backwards. We're going to figuring this out way ahead of time. You have a slide up here. Have your partners up here. Your materials, they are in the sequence and the order. You need them for the lesson. So that when you are in front of kids, you are your brain doesn't have to do a thing. You've already thought of it. So you can just respond in the moment, catch students' misunderstandings faster, work with a kid one-on-one because you already know everything's ready to go. You have so much more brain power when you front load a lot of the thinking so that when you're live with kids, it's like open field. You're ready to go. Yeah, that preparation equals presence in the classroom. Ooh, quotable. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> Courtney put that one on a t-shirt, right? <laughs> and it helps you to be able to have those deep reflective questions that we're all trying to get to the higher order thinking skills and the deeper questioning. And so being able to have all the little knit and gritty, if you will, lined up and pretty and neat, it makes it so much easier to be able to be have the headspace and the mental space in order to have the capacity to ask those good questions. Yeah, and you can pivot because you've even thought through... If this does not go right, because it probably will, will not, is you're able to go in a different direction with ease. You're not panicking because I would like get into a full sweat. Like <gasps> I had only planned this to go perfectly. What do I do now? And the kids are looking at you like, what's wrong? And you're like, nothing. I'm just panicking, you know? And so this just forces you to just chill. You got it. Now, whether it goes right or left or down the center, you're good. You, you've got a game plan and you can just roll with it. How do you know when a teacher is ready to move beyond the foundational instructional skills? So I think what we chatted a little bit about before is differentiating. And this is something that's somewhat new for principals who expect coaching. Everyone's going to go through a coaching cycle. You're going to do it every few weeks. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, that's great on paper if every teacher was the exact same and needed the same type of support. So the first thing I say is just get out in the building and watch. Get to know your teachers on the one-on-one and figure out what do they think their strengths are? What do they think their weaknesses are? Look at their past performance. Principals can share that with you of where they've rated the teacher's previous quarter or last year. And so you have some kind of notion of where they're at. And then when you have those meetings of what do you want to accomplish yourself, um, are you happy with these ratings? Do you want two more levels up? Do you want the next level or you just want to sit pretty where you're at? And that allows you to say, I'm going to tier my teachers based on support. So least support, your high flyers, they need some sort of check-in system, but you could be good for a week, two weeks and just like, are you good? Do you need any help? Or they come find you or you use apps like Voxer or Marco Polo where they can just chat whenever they need it, like Q&A at any time. And then they're off to the races. But then you have folks in between who need to see you and want to have a deeper conversation, but maybe it's once a month. And then you'll have... People that sometimes it's every day, multiple times a week until they can figure out where is the pain point, where is the bleeding starting from. And they start and the same thing like I was explaining about the bricks. When you fix some of the foundational stuff, it's a domino effect and it starts to fix all the cracks that were above it because of the things you're putting in place. So one thing I always tell teachers is 
you know, for right now, we're working on this one thing and I'm going to see you this often until we figure this out. And then you recalibrate and you re-tier your teachers based on the skill you're now focused on, which should be aligned to what the school and the principal is asking of you. But it also needs to be aligned to, to their motivating factor. So um, you might be in an intensive group for one skill and then you might move out of it for the next thing. And so if everyone realizes I'm working with you and the things that you need help with so your students succeed. You might see a lot of me. You might not see me a lot. I'm helping you as much as I know that you need the help in the moment, and that won't last. You're not always going to be the red color team or, you know, the one that has to see me every day, and it's not like dun, dun, dun. Um, even my teachers who were failing made tremendous strides, and I didn't have to handhold because they were aware of the process, how it worked. They loved that they could bump in and out of groups. And that tiering system really is helpful. And when it came time to chat with the principal, he didn't need to know the nitty gritty. He just wanted the report. Who has moved on your continuum of support from least to most support? And, and I wanted him to know we're celebrating the growth. Even if someone is still in intensive support, if they are moving in the right direction and have things to celebrate, we are going to celebrate that. And he was on board and loved that system. And that was a collaboration between the two of us. And he kind of let me just roll with it. And, and so if you don't have that partnership set up, that's a great next step for you to make sure the principal is allowing you to get out there and observe and tier your teachers and provide support in a way that makes sense to them. Not everyone needs a full cycle and um, allow teachers to move within it. So that would that allows us to differentiate and really help and support where teachers need it most. Yeah, I mean, that's ideal meeting teachers where they are and then helping them elevate and move on to the next thing and personalizing that. In your experience, how do you measure the impact of instructional coaching on student outcomes and what data or evidence do you typically use to assess the effectiveness of coaching initiatives in the schools you've worked with? Well, I think the easiest one is just the vibe. Like you can just tell how things are going, what needs to change. You can walk into a building. There's no student work, um, maybe not even any color. No one's talking to each other. And you're like, something is up in the culture here. And coaching is a big piece that can help shift that. So don't feel overwhelmed. Just know like you have an amazing opportunity and coaching is, is an awesome way to do that. And once you start getting into coaching, then you need to start tracking. You need to have some sort of system to show we started here. We were working on this. This is how we worked on it. This was the result. And just track, track, track as it changed uh, skill sets or as performance goes up. When the principal does the formal observation, they can report to you. They are now at this level. You can celebrate. You can create new goals. And so whatever your system, which there's no right or wrong answer, whatever you want it to look like, as long as you are able to show quantitatively that your impact is having a positive effect, then that's what we want. And and so some so I run a mastermind with some teacher leaders and we were focusing on goals and they're like, I just want to get into more classrooms. I, I want to help more kids. I'm like, that's great and everything, but how do you measure that? And so helping teachers find a way to measure their own goals and then you have a way to track it in terms of data, in terms of numbers, like how many classrooms did you get into? Or when it comes to teachers, how many students are you calling on before you're arriving at the final answer? Or um, how many groups are you pulling um, in social studies when they're not understanding these concepts? Or whatever it is that you are focusing on, you have a system to make sure you can prove 
the steps you're taking are actually impacting either their test scores. You can take anecdotal notes. You can have teacher testimonials. Um, you can have just your informal data points. Like before we did this, the student had answered 60% correctly. And after this new system we've implemented, they're 90%. However, you can quantify that allows you to say, coaching works. And this is important because a lot of coaching positions are funded through um, are, are funded through different avenues. And they feel like I, if I can't get money, if I can't prove that coaching works, and then the first position to go when there's funding issues is coaching or the arts or something. And so if you can set this system up for yourself, it's kind of a way to save yourself when you're on the chopping block and it's like, no, look at how much this works. Look at how much teachers have improved. Look at that impact now on student achievement and how much students have grown because of this. We cannot afford to lose coaching. And so not only is it just a best practice, but it does come in handy to protect your job. We always say know thy impact, but it's also show your impact, right? Like it's being able, as you're saying, to quantify it and be able to put it out there so that people can see what you're doing when they don't know what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just, it's powerful to hear you speak to that and just being that extra set of eyes in a room to help quantify something or to be able to help um, strategize their goals moving forward and being able to honor them as the teacher leader in that room, but also helping them press to the next step. Yeah, I think it's a new skill and they're not used to doing it. And they're like, what? <laughs> I have to focus on what? And I don't like numbers and this is too mathy for me or whatever the excuse is. And it's like, no, just trust me. Trust this process that you are going to be amazed at what you see happen here when you start paying attention. And when you're tracking, you're paying attention, just like when you're on a diet and you're tracking what you're eating, it makes you more aware. And then you start finding other moments where you can improve things. And so just the awareness already, you're ahead of where you were before. And then when you actually look at the data and you're like, oh my God, I thought it was horrible here. Or, oh, I thought I really had this in the bag and I don't. That self-reflection means that whether I am absent that day or I move on to a new position, you know how to track yourself, how to set goals, how to make adjustments. So I'm helping you develop the habit of a lifelong learner, someone that doesn't always need someone breathing down their back and walking them step by step. They can do it on their own. I mean, as Dr. Diane Lauer loves to say, coach yourself out of a job. And it sounds yeah. like that's yes. the path you're on. Yes, absolutely. If you need me, I'm not doing this right. Exactly. And always pressing on to the next and that forward trajectory is so powerful. So we appreciate everything that you have shared with us, Gretchen, and we are going to shift to that rapid fire questioning at the end. I, I kind of have some nuances. I think you might be able to line in this area based on my research and reading and everything else. But um, first, we want to start with your time to shine. And if you can just tell us where we can learn from and with you and what you have um, that's in the works currently. We already heard a little bit about the book um, and being able to hear um, from you of what's coming down. Yeah. So just go to alwaysalessa.com. Across the top, there's all my social media. So just pick the, the one you love to interact on and find me there. Um, when you're on the website, a pop-up will come and you can get on the email list. And I try and share stories and actionable tips. 
um, the podcast and the blog are on the website. So I feel like that's my home. That's my place. Easy for you to find me. That book we mentioned is coming out in April. So I'd love for you to pre-order and be part of a book study or bring it back to your campus and think about how to improve instruction. And so that's called Teacher Essentials for Classroom and Career Success. Fantastic. I know so many people will be hitting up your hub and being able to branch out into the various networks in which they'd like to explore. And tell us, what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? Oh, go be great. I say it at the end of my sign-off emails. And really, to me, what that means is like, go out and do the dang thing. Like, have fun, give it your best effort, and just go be amazing. Because through this discussion with me or whether you read something, you now are more empowered than before. So just go out and apply it. And I think that's what puts many people ahead. I don't want you to be a serial learner and just like consume all the information and never do anything. I want you to go, go do it and do it well. I love that. Go be great. My very, very first principal, a million point two years ago when I started teaching, um, he would always say on the announcements every day, make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. So oh, yes. Oh, I like that. Right. Make it. It's it's your goodbye. Um, <laughs> the last one is tell us what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? Oh, secret power. Um, well, one thing I think I am known for is listening. And that's both personally and professionally. People say you are an intense listener, like no one else is in the room and you're genuinely interested in what someone's saying. And to, to put a piggyback on top of that, because I listen well, I ask really deep questions. And all my professors as a kid would always say, gosh, you asked some good questions. And so I think that's really come into handy with coaching because it's like, I listen and I ask questions and that's pretty much the role of the coach. So I think I got lucky. Well, you definitely have the skill set in order to represent as coaches. And we appreciate ha you having you as part of our coaching network and all of the insights you were able to share with us today. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. I loved it. It was fun. Sorry. I like to talk a lot. I get excited. I get on my soapbox and I talk fast, as you know, but I just, I love what we get to do and I love um, improving and helping others. And so being on a podcast is a way to do that. So thank you for allowing me to be your guest. Thank you. Gretchen shared so many valuable coaching moves with us today, especially knowing what your impact is. How might you move teachers and help them get to the next level? Thanks for listening and be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3Coaches and now on Instagram. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?